Hobby Addict の時間です It's time for Hobby Addict And now here are your anime addicts Time to record some hobby addicts, motherfucker. That's right.、Yay. Mitsugi in the house. I'm all amped up on diet ginger ale and March madness. And I'm joined by Caroline, who's in Hiya. Lower State, New York. How are you? I'm doing well. I still have Roxanne with me from last week. Say hello, Roxanne. Light, Roxanne. <laughs> and we also have the stupendous, the unflinchable. Never wavering Mason. Hello. Hello. I、uh, actually have a sunburn on my face because it's so nice outside that I spent all of yesterday just out and about and I forgot that, ooh, the sun, it burns. So I'm feeling a little a toasty today. <laughs> well, and welcome into all of you listening from home. Thanks for contributing to the podcast. Mitz is feeling high energy today. I think it's because I just ate Tokyo Joe's and it has like lots of vegetables in it and shit. And I'm all like, hmm. I just ate a bowl of chicken and vegetables and I feel good. But today we have a very good episode for you. I platinumed the fractured butthole, the South Park game. So I have plenty to say about that finally.、Um, March Madness is upon us and it's been quite a wild NCAA men's basketball tournament so far. So if we have time, I will talk about. Da 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 da. And we also have The Last Blockbuster from Caroline, which I, I don't know what that is. Is that a movie? It's a documentary. It just came out on Netflix like last week. Oh, I finished the Night Stalker documentary today. Not the Nightcrawler? <laughs> Not the Nightcrawler. It was really fucking good. That guy is a crazy motherfucker. I know.、Wow. It's like, how did a person like that exist on this earth? All right, maybe we'll talk about that for a few minutes too. There's so much to discuss. We also have Mason. Abstract, the art of design TV series, which is where we're going to begin because Mason was trying to talk about that last week. And so I believe we should start there. Mason, okay tell us about your abstract, the art of design, the TV series. Yeah, so I guess this is the、uh, episode of documentaries because this,、uh, like Caroline's, is a, a Netflix documentary. It is two seasons long for a total of 14 episodes. And they're about 45 minutes each, and it focuses on a specific creator in different fields.、And、essentially, each episode kind of takes you into their workspace. And because of the different like, personalities of the designers and the fields that they operate in, each episode feels very different. And that also is lending to the fact that each episode has a different director. And this isn't like one of your slow, meandering, like old timey history kind of documentaries. Like these are pulsing. They got some funky music.、Mm, the camera has a life and energy of its own. There's tons of like clever diagrams and examples and unique shots to kind of get you not just into the, the designer's like workspace, but into their headspace and kind of how they see both the world and the work that they do. So, because each episode is so varied from one another, and obviously they're not like related to one another, some are like definitely bigger hits than others. So, I would recommend just going in and like picking out the t 
types or fields that you might be the most interested in, or you can just follow my list of recommendations, which I'm about to give to you now. Yes. So the ones that were my personal favorites, kind of in no particular order, except for the number one guy, um, there's a guy named Platon who does photography and the photography he does is just like profile headshots and he has photographed some of the most important people living today we got presidents of united states and you know vladimir putin of russia and all these like huge political figures we have some of the most famous entertainers and music and art and film and he has a whole like series about civil and human rights where he takes pictures of like Burmese exiles or Egyptian revolutionaries or like these women from the Congo who have experienced like super traumatic like sexual violence and he just like captures their entire story and their entire like personas and distills them into like these just super powerful photographs which you kind of just see how he gets that by just constantly talking with the people and just working them as he photographs them and it's pretty cool um bjark ingles he's an architecture guy from uh i'm gonna say it sounds like denmark but yeah it sounds sounds wrong scandinavian could be it's definitely yeah it's definitely up there i'll have to look it back up but he has just obviously architecture he designed some super cool like buildings that are where people live and reside and they are just so mind-blowing just what goes into them uh tinker hatfield who does uh, footwear design at Nike. He's the guy who did like the Air Jordans and some of the other most like iconic things they've ever done. And they didn't get a ton into like how he designs things, but it's still super interesting when you have stories of like Michael Jordan coming in and them like talking about how they like collaborated on stuff. Uh, Oliver Elysian, he just does some really weird like modern art, like rooms that you walk into and experience on this like massive scale. Um, but my absolute favorite one that I, I recommend people checking out, if this sounds like you're up your alley, is actually the, the very last episode. It's episode six of season season two. It's Jonathan Hoffler, and he does typography or typeface design. So all the text, all the words you see are obviously composed in a font. And he has done some massive ones, including like Champion Gothic, which you would see from like Sports Illustrated. Um, like GQ magazines and Gothic would go on to be aped by every single political candidate ever because Obama, like his whole like change and hope campaigns, like were based in that. And like now every single politician uses this like one font that he worked with. And it's cool, like seeing how you're like, oh, you just you make letters and you make an E look like this. And he he just is so into what fonts can be. That it's kind of infectious and he kind of gets into like, if I just change this one thing or modulate the thickness of this line here or like bring it to a point instead of this, like it makes a huge impact and goes into like how important a typeface can be when he's designing it for like, for example, the Guggenheim Museum is like, hey, we need to rebrand our logo. We need a new font. So he designs this whole font for the big logo in front of the building, which is Guggenheim. But that font needs to be not just used there, but it needs to be on the merchandise, the museum descriptions, the signage, the visitor badges, the website. Like the font has to be used across so many different spectrums that they have to design all these like alternate versions of it to Mm -hmm. work on mobile or on your laptop. And 
speaking of computers, he did, uh, you know, what's called the Hoffler text, which is used on, let's just call it every Apple ever, because it was like the defining font on the early Apple computers. And it was like the Wikipedia oh, logo. Like, yeah. it's just crazy how this one guy from his art, like has been, it just goes everywhere. And you don't think about something that deeply until the show brings it up and you're like, wow, dang, font, cool, rad. So as someone who's not quite a creative myself, I I got a lot of interest in the show. And if you're at all into that kind of thing with flashy visuals and information, it's uh, pretty smartly directed and worth checking out. So it's a fun little show. It's called Abstract the Art of Design, and uh, I enjoyed it. But if this guy did not create Comic Sans, then what's the point of you yeah, watching? Yeah, weak, <laughs> weak, not... Wingdings. No one is that blessed. Wingdings, indeed. <laughs> Gotta have your wingdings. God himself created Wingdings and Comic Sans. <laughs> <laughs> no mere mortal could have conceived such a beautiful font. Oh, you know what? I saw this video online, and it was this guy who's taking this class all about um, PowerPoint presentations. And what's the you have to basically make a PowerPoint all about the best ways to make a PowerPoint. This is all Mm -hmm. what the class is all about. Um, And so what this student did is that instead of making a PowerPoint about all the things that you should do in a PowerPoint, he made a PowerPoint all about the things that you should not do. What not to do. <laughs> yes. Lots and lots of text. <laughs> lots of comic sans, lots of text, um, wipe aways, graphics, animations, sounds. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Um, you mean you mean the, the Star Wars technique of making yes. films. You mean half just the fun- like half the functions that PowerPoint actually has, just don't use them yeah. because they all suck. Yeah, and so he made he he went to town on it, and it's like a clusterfuck of all the things that you should not do on a PowerPoint. And the best part of it is, is that his teacher loved it. <laughs> it was yeah. yeah, he got full points on that. Somehow, a, a better way to talk about things. And I've, you know, obviously doing the like the overlays and stuff for the the live podcast that we do. Like I've spent a little bit too much time like trying to pick out the perfect font to be like, oh, for for this segment, we should do this font. And this one, I want to use this font. Say say it ain't so. (laughs) It's a little little unhealthy, but it's it's kind of fun. And I I appreciated it. Yeah, I also kind of overthink the font situation whenever I try to make a graphic or something for the social media. Um, But it makes it worse if the program that you're using does not show you a preview of the font. Because then you have no idea what you're looking through. Like, for example, for the anime Oscars, I wanted to use the Oscars font, but that was not like you had to pay for that. So I like found a font close enough to it. And then like in my like uh, image editing software, like tried to edit it down to match the style of the Oscars font. For no benefit, for no reason. Nobody cares about it, but... <laughs> you do. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's all that matters. All right, Caroline. Well, I would love to hear about this The Last Blockbuster because, I don't know, there's a, I, I, I think there's a... You're a block boy? There's a blockbuster coming out next week called Godzilla, and then two weeks after that, Mortal Kombat, so kind of kind of interested I, to, to hear how I they I assume can, this is the lack... Last blockbuster, like the store, store, and not like the last big budget movie that's gonna make waves. It correct. I could be Mason. wrong. Yes, you are okay. correct. 
Oh, wow. Um, sorry to disappoint, Mitsugi. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is a documentary, uh, very ironically, put to Netflix. Uh, I was last about to week. say, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's incredibly ironic. Um, and yeah, so it just goes through the history of Blockbuster as a company, and it, it centers around the last Blockbuster in the world, which is in Bend, Oregon. And <laughs> it is... Like it's owned by this lady named Sandy. She's known as the Blockbuster Mom, and basically, yeah, it's 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 just um, you know a pretty nostalgic look into what used to be the place to be for the weekend: grabbing your movies, getting your popcorn, and sitting down and watching a movie. It tells you the history of why these uh, rental places came to be because apparently VHS tapes used to cost a hundred dollars. Holy <laughs> shit! Are you kidding? Yeah. It's honestly insane. And what year was that? Like in, you know, the, I guess, late 80s, 90s. I don't actually, I I can't really remember the years. I don't remember that shit because I've got about 100 VHS tapes of Dragon Ball Z. And I can guarantee none of those things were 100 bucks. Well, I guess they, I guess especially the movies that just came out recently, perhaps in that time. No wonder Blockbuster Um, went under. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like because Blockbuster kind of formed a company around buying these DVDs so that people don't have to pay $100 for it. They made a lot of uh, deals with companies that gave them the VHS tapes. Sorry, did I say DVDs? Yes, you uh, did. You said VHS. Okay. The VHS uh, was 100 Yeah, said. yeah, VHS. That's, yeah. Um, for whatever reason, I thought I said DVDs, but whatever. Anyway, so they made these deals in order to get the tapes for a lot of a cheaper price, especially compared to mom and pop stores without the backing of Blockbuster. Um, so that's how they, you know, came so popular and successful is through these, those deals. And when Netflix even started coming up a little bit in the early stages of their business, they even went to Blockbuster saying, hey, do you want to work with us? Can we do something? And Blockbuster laughed them out of the oh room. Oh, my God. Bad move. Yeah. Yeah, so it was not not a good deal at all. And they even went through the part of Blockbuster ne- towards the end of its life cycle where it dropped late fees. And we were just laughing. Me and my sister, we were watching this. We were laughing because of how bad of a deal that was. Like, how, how that was, there was no way that was going to work. You're never going to get um, your shit back. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it sucks to have late fees, but that was the whole point of late fees is to not have them be late. But yeah, so it also meets the owners, the owner of the last like three or four blockbusters uh, in Alaska. Apparently, there uh, at a time there were three blockbusters in Alaska and one in Bend, Oregon, and that was it in terms of blockbusters. And I'm thinking to myself, how are there three blockbusters in Alaska <laughs> at the very end of its life cycle? So anyway, um, even polar so bears need, need to have need, need to have blockbusters, Caroline. Come on. I guess so. I They've guess already so. got their Coca Cola. Now yeah. they just need to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So apparently, towards the end of their life cycle, trying to save their stores, they got a lot of merchandise from Russell Crowe, uh, you know, to have displayed in their stores. And then when they went under, they sent that to Bend, Oregon, uh, for their store. And yeah, so it's just telling you all about the different. You know, it really does lend itself to nostalgia, a blockbuster and, you know, wanting to you know learn more about its history. The only thing is, is that the narrator is pretty annoying. <laughs> I'm going to say that That's she's just a very quirky kind of voice. And it just makes me 
go like, uh, can you just like calm down just just a little bit? <laughs> Put a but, sock in it, lady. Yeah. But overall, like they'll they're talking to, you know, the different store owners. They talk to um, some really random directors and actors. Um, they even have one guy he's just a movie renter and they have and they're interviewing him. I think he might have just been a friend of the uh, the black blockbusters owner. And that's why he's in the documentary. But, yeah, it's just a really random accumulation of interviewees. But it really like it even ended off with uh, handing off of the actual blockbuster VHS tape to each of them. And they're just like, like thinking it all in, like they're looking at it, they're feeling it. They're hearing the clicks as it closes, And they're like, ah, yeah, that is the ultimate nostalgic sound kind of thing. And it's really sad. Um, but yeah. (laughs) You mean like those plastic cases that you would like snap the, the tapes in? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know, those, the same, you know, kind of boxes that you'd get from an actual blockbuster. So, are, you, yeah. are, you, are you even old enough to remember Blockbuster, Caroline? I do. Um, we had a Blockbuster in my town right next to our pizza place that we always go to. I probably remember it up to age eight or nine, maybe. I think that's probably around hours, okay. around the time that hours closed. Uh, yeah, but I do. I do remember it. I miss it. <laughs> yeah, we had one in our town growing up, and uh, you know, my town was super small and. And, uh, we, yeah, we used to have, we used to routinely have so many late fees that we would, that we would like sneak up to the drop box to put the tapes in because we were like almost like at war with the blockbuster. So it's pretty funny. There's, um, it, growing up, you could, you would find three, four or five or so like cases of blockbuster stuff at any time that we had just basically just decided we were just going to say fuck it and just, we ended up just like keeping it because. We never, we just never returned it. <laughs> so. Yeah, but when you go back to the Blockbuster to rent more movies, don't you have to pay it then and there? Well, you do, but like, I mean, you basically, there's a certain point where you just kind of have a conversation and you're like, look, I'm not paying $800 of late fees. So, you know, because they can't do anything to you, really. So, and then at that point, you just like make an agreement or just pay for the tape or whatever. Or just take their, or just rent the tape and just never take it back. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but if you have like outstanding fees like that, would you would you not have been able to take out another movie? Well, it, there's that, other blockbusters. Well, well, that's the thing. It's like if if you walk into like a blockbuster and you're and you take a tape back and you're like, oh, you have a late fee of like four hundred and thirty five dollars, where you just basically like, well, go fuck yourself. I'm not paying four hundred dollars for you know a movie that's like two months late. So you can like. Take take what I so we're gonna have to come to some kind of an agreement. It, they can't make you do anything at Blockbuster, or they couldn't make you do anything. So it's you know. the uh, sorry, it's the classic quote of if you own Blockbuster five dollars, you have a problem. If you owe Blockbuster five hundred dollars, they have a problem. Yeah, I mean they can't do much. So, but you know it's whatever. But yeah, Blockbuster, we were there all the time growing up. So when it went, when it went out of business, you know I was pretty much heading off to college anyway. So I really didn't. Miss it much, but Blockbuster was definitely a big part of our lives growing up, and that's where I discovered a lot of anime. So, I do remember this one interviewee that uh, talked about this one movie that he never took back to Blockbuster. He got like fees upwards of like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars, and then Blockbuster closed, and he says, "Well, I guess that solves it." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ha ha ha, Blockbuster. 
What a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I um, finished. Oh, Mason, do you have any blockbuster stories? Oh, yeah. Why not? Um, Not really. We we were not really a blockbuster family. I mean, like I've talked about before, I had a pretty great library system growing up. So we use that quite a bit. But I, I was probably in the blockbuster four to five times max growing up. Like it was not a regular part of my childhood. Oh my God. I think I was in there every week <laughs> pretty much. But then again, I grew up in the middle of fucking nowhere. So there's nothing else to do. Maybe. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> I got a few things here. So I, I watched the night stalker last night. Um, and it was a super great documentary and, I just have a couple like weird thoughts about. Th- Actually, I was I was smoking pot last night, and um, it's Colorado. I can do that, and uh, you know it's weird. You have like all these really bizarre thoughts, um, like when you're when you're smoking, and you don't that, that you would never think of when you're sober. So, like I would think like, what 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 would it have been like to be the night stalker, and when they. Like when you start hearing about yourself on TV, you know, like stuff like that, like, um, you know, cause there's like a fame element to it because he was so famous and feared throughout California. Um, so that, that I, that my first thought was like, Oh, what, what would it have been like for him when they first, when he first started to get famous, like hearing about himself on the news, you know? So that was like a random thought I had. Um, and another random thought was, and by the way, the night stalker is like this guy that committed like 50 crimes in California through over the course of like eight months and killed almost 20 people. Um, the other thing, I thought it was more than that. Well, not every, only about half the people that he, uh, whatever the word is committed crimes against ended up dying. So there were a lot of like assaults and stuff that didn't, weren't actually murders. So he killed 19 people, but he like had like 45 charges of whatever rape and all this other horrible stuff against him. Um, the other thing was that like right in the middle of the night stalker, um, like right, right at the height of all the murders was when I was born. Like literally, like um, there was a span like between like August first and August eighth where he killed like six people, and I was born on August third that exact year. So I need to like talk to my mom and be like, "Were you guys like rocking me to sleep while you're talking about like what the Night Stalker did like recently?" Like, you know, it was kind of just a weird thought, you know, that I had that like I you know probably wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, where did you grow up? I, I grew up in West Virginia, so oh. but, but the Night Stalker was so famous that like he he would have been on the news throughout the country for sure, um, you know because that's like that was like the most insane thing that was like the pan, that was like the coronavirus of 1985, um, <laughs> like it would have had to have been. A um, couple other thoughts that are like a little like weirder is that like. It's amazing that like throughout the course of all of the crimes that this guy committed that he never fucked up and got caught or never lost a fight. Never like there's a I hate to put it like this, but like there's like a there's almost like a skill element to committing crimes like this. Like think about it. How many times would would you be able to like break into someone's house unheard and then like get into like probably a lot of times like a physical altercation with somebody and never fucking lose? Um, it makes me wonder like what the guy's background is. Cause like the documentary didn't go into his background all that much and they didn't go into his motivations at all. Yeah. Um, that's what I kind of disliked about the documentaries that I was expecting a little bit more of those last interviews that he had kind of like talking about 
but like his backstory and all that. This guy's essentially like forty and forty wins and zero losses, like committing crimes. It's just unbelievable to me that like, sure, like you get people that are like kill somebody, kill two people, but it's like to have this go on for so long, and then with people being more and more guarded in their homes, like. After the fifth or sixth murder, you got to figure people are probably sleeping with guns in their rooms, like all this shit. And he still never got caught. And it's just unbelievable. Um, I'm not saying it as a good thing. I just think that it's outrageous that, like, the amount of, like, unchallenged, just, uh, he, he never was, like, he never lost the fight. Like, he never got apprehended. Nobody was waiting with a baseball bat. Like, nothing, ever. It's just kind of crazy. Like, um, you know, you would, ha- you would have to think the guy was, like, a Navy SEAL or some shit to pull all that off but he was just like a street thug as far as i can tell the other thing that that like, pissed me off at the end of the documentary it just shows how fucked our legal system is is that like this guy got like you know like 20 life sentences um and sentenced to the death penalty and like california's laws are so fucked up that like it automatically got raised to the supreme court automatically um just because that's how their laws are and the state of California allowed him to uh, basically continue to, um, what is the word, like have it retried so many times that 20 years later he still hadn't been put to death yet and he ended up dying of cancer. He never even got punished from by the state the way that he should have. So this, this ass like killed a bunch of people. He was like basically a homeless person, killed a bunch of people, got famous, and then spent like 20 years living for free off of the state, off of taxpayer food, entertainment, everything. Like, oh, I get to have free food and cable for 20 years. And then at the end of it, he never even got executed. He just died normally of like natural causes. So fucked up. They had to take that guy outside. Mm-hmm. After, he's, after he's convicted, he had to go outside that very minute and just be torn apart by the street, by the people in the street. Like, it's just so ridiculous that like Damn. the legal system just basically rewarded him for what he did it was just so fucked up <laughs> it's just like unfucking believable um but anyway that's just M- mitz is over here like this guy was messed up but this katie ratio was really good so i mean i mean it's like he it, he's so fucked up but like i mean a, a guy that murdered 20 people and was like saying hail satan on tv literally got to live for free for 20 years and then died of natural causes like I was in a hospital, no, no, nonetheless. Like, how much money was spent, like, basically, like giving this guy a free ride? He got literally rewarded for killing people. Girls were like flashing him and showing him his, their titties. Oh, and, like, that was so and disgusting. Trying to, trying to have sex with him in the courtroom and all this because he was so fucking famous. He never even got punished for what he did. He was already a homeless like person with like like with complete with like rotten teeth and everything. So it's it's just I feel it's like, just so infuriating. I feel like with people like this. They there should be a rule that allows any of the family members of the victims to just give him one big kick in the balls, like every like like a like a a assembly line of people just kicking him in the balls several times. I mean, it's you're right, Caroline. And they should have like they should have all been waiting outside in a massive crowd. And they should and after he was convicted, they should have just pushed him out of the doors and just let him be torn apart. Like that's like he. Uh, the people in the yeah, city... That's almost what happened when he got caught, but... Yeah, he was so hated by, like... Mason, I don't know if you've watched this or not, but this man was so hated and terrorized Los Angeles for so long that effectively he was apprehended by citizens and almost killed by citizens in the street because they hated him so much. The police had to literally... You guys, like, uh, you guys un- are all about that street justice. Un- <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just ridiculous. I mean, think of... I mean, 
I mean, I said it before, but like, you know, that he 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 drained like millions of taxpayer dollars, ate for free, uh, had free cable, free gym, free everything for twenty years, and then died like luxuriously in some fucking hospital bed because you know the system is fucking broken. It's just ridiculous. So. I would they they should have taken him out and like fed him to like you know they should have tied him up and like fed him to crows or something. Anyway, moving on from that, uh, fractured but <laughs> fractured butthole. You know, until I've seen it written down on the um, on our list here, I had no idea that fractured butthole was a pun. <laughs> oh come on! Well, that's that's what I said like a couple weeks back because Mitt says it fractured butthole. Like he just he doesn't <laughs> say it fractured. But whole. Exactly. Exactly. But that's, that's, ah, I love it. That's, that's the high level of comedy that this game brings (laughs) to the table. So Fractured Butthole, I got the Platinum Trophy in it uh, last night. And, um. And this is the South Park video game for anyone who's new to this. Yeah, sorry, I'm putting eye drops in as I always do. Um, so this is the South Park game that came out on like PS4 a few years after Stick of Truth came out. And it effectively follows up the stick of truth um, with the same characters, the same setting, same, same uh, like visuals. And the game even like begins at the like the end of Stick of Truth. So they 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 tie together very well. But you don't have to play one to play the other. And without a doubt, this game is vastly better than Stick of Truth. I mean, it's not close. Um, the combat system is, it's Stick of Truth was like this turn-based battle system where you would just like do do like quick time button pushing to execute attacks but there wasn't much strategy involved in it you would just kind of like attack or like you know shoot arrows or whatever this game is like full-on character customization uh selecting your party leveling up placing your people like on on a grid and like the even like the attacks that the characters have have strategic elements like if you were for example if you were trying to like isolate one enemy from from its from like like let's say you let's say they all start on like different sides of the grid if there was like one enemy you needed to kill and you wanted to isolate him from from his quote unquote like allies there, there's a move where you can like drop like you drop bombs on him and then get behind him and kick him backwards and so that puts that puts him that puts one of your characters um, on one side of him and then the rest of your characters on the other but then you're thinking oh but now my one character has overextended and he's really close to like the overall group of the enemies but that move turns that character invisible for one turn. So you effectively like can move the enemy. You can you can separate that one enemy from his group, and then and then camouflage that the character that did that to protect him for one turn. And so like there's all these like strategic gameplay elements. It's much more of like a strategy RPG, and it allows for a lot more uh, thinking and just a more enjoyable and rewarding gameplay experience than just basically just bashing each other back and forth until until everyone's dead. Um, the, the, the story is, this is a much longer game. Um, the, the story is fucking wild. I mean, it is, it's almost too long to be honest. Uh, it, it's, it touches on practically every, every area of like South Park lore, I would say. Um, everything is in it from like virtually every character is in it. PC principles in it. Um, classy is in it. The, like the stripper there's, um, there's scenes. There's like lots of scenes with with uh, Stan's with Stan's dad, uh, Santa Claus and Jesus fighting it. Like like every they cover everything, and the story is just a wild whirlwind of. It's mostly just like nonsense to be honest, but um, it does have like some pretty good plot twists and turns in it. 
And uh, if you're a South Park fan, like I think this game is is fucking amazing. I mean, it's it's um even if you're not a South Park fan, if you just maybe you've never watched South Park, I think you'd still love it. If you're a person that's easily offended, obviously South Park not really for you. Uh, but you know, generally speaking, you know this is a this is an unbelievable game gaming experience. And the platinum trophy is, if you're one of those types of people, is very is quite nice because like when you get to the end of the game, really, I really all I had to do was find like the rest of the Yowie pictures of Tweak and Craig, and and like do a couple side quests and like fight an optional boss that was easy and that was it. So I really only had like two hours of extra stuff to do. After the after I just normally finished the game and I had the platinum, so it wasn't like you had to grind or suffer through through a bunch of bullshit. You know, it was a pretty fair reward for the amount of time that you put in. So I, I know that you played the original Stick of Truth, Mason, but but you haven't played Fractured Butthole, right? I played a little bit of it. Now now that I saw it was on the docket, I'm like, you know what? I finally got to start playing it, and I got a couple hours in, and I would say that this South Park video game is funnier than the show (laughs) well that might be true i like i got more laughs and guffaws and chuckles playing the game than i have the last couple seasons that i've watched of the show like i really think this is like the peak uh, south park like medium like i just think they do such a good job both making the typical south park humor but then also playing that into like game mechanics and like narrating what your character is doing. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I just, there's so many great elements to it and I, I, I'm enjoying it so far. So I don't know if I'll finish it, but I, uh, I definitely am enjoying this one more than the last one and more than the show. So, yeah, the, uh, the, the premise of the last game was like D and D. It was like elves versus whatever the fuck wizards or some wizards shit. or something. Yeah. And this game is like they go, oh, we don't want to play D and D anymore. We're, now we're gonna play superheroes. So they all play superheroes, and it starts off down in like Cartman's basement, where you are planning like your movie, your your Marvel movie franchise, more or less, because because Cartman wants to make like a ton of money. And so every character in the South Park universe that's a you know like a kid has a superhero costume in this game. Um, Cartman is like the coon. He's like this raccoon with claws. Um, your let's see stan is like a handyman with tools you don't really run into stan till like way later um kenny is mysterion who's like basically a batman ripoff but like you still don't get to see his face because he's mysterion um the, uh, wendy's a uh, call girl she has like a self she's like a cell phone she like can hack people with her cell phones and shit she like cell phones all over uh kyle is the human kite who can like fly with his kite and you know shoot lasers and crap um what the Jimmy? I guess the guy with the with the crutches. He's <laughs> fast pass. He's like he's fast pass. He's like the Flash basically, which is so fucking funny. Um, uh, Token is like Tupperware, who's like this robot with like a Tupperware thing around his head. Uh, and like probably the one of the most on the nose ones was Jimmy. Is like basically Professor Professor X. He's like in a wheelchair, and. He, he, like, can't talk, but he can, like, touch his head and use, like, telekinesis, and he speaks, like, perfectly in his own mind, which is just fucking hilarious. Um, and so it's, like, it's all about them, like, then they have, like, rival superhero franchises, and they have, like, super, and they, have, they fight each other because, like, you know, it's Cartman's got his thing, and then, you know, the other group of kids has, like, their thing, and 
they're all trying to find this cat that has a $100 reward because they think they're going to be able to like fund their marketing campaign or whatever for their for their Marvel franchise by by getting the $100 reward for these cats and it it just takes you through this wild story where that you know it takes you to like into strip clubs it takes you into like you know fighting uh you know the Chinese people or whatever they have in the town from S- city kitchen or whatever um you know it just takes you all over the place and it's just a lot of fun seeing all their costumes you know and and i th- i thought it was way more enjoyable of like a portrayal of the characters than in the last game and uh some of the characters some of the superheroes aren't that good like they're not that useful but but they all like look good and they're all pretty unique so i think probably the most useful one was the main character is really powerful but Probably what uh, what class did you go with? Well, there's so like basically um, by the end of the game, Mason, they he he ends up you end up picking two and then three classes, um, and gotcha. then by the end of the game, you unlock all of them and you can pick whatever you want. Um, and the plant a plant mancer, I think, is what it is, is fucking absolutely broken. I mean, um, it's so broken that the attacks have cooldowns. Like the one attack is like it basically heals everybody in your area, and then re- and also like to full health, and also restores all status effects. So like it's super broken. Um, you know they've got he's got an attack that shoot that vines come out of the ground, and more or less every every from for about two or three rows in front of you, every person gets hit with knockback and bleed. I mean it's like they're so broken. <laughs> Um, so, but initially we picked, uh, uh, what was it? We had the psychic person pretty early. Uh, we had the fire, like the pyromancer, I think pretty early as well. But ultimately I think we went with the, with the human, with the, uh, with the plant mancer, like towards the end. And I don't know. It was just fucking awesome. I mean, it was super great. I can't wait for the next South Park game. You know, it's... I will say I'm kind of tired of playing as like a rando character in these games though cuz you're like you're always like the new kid, you know? And like yo know, you're you're the new kid and you just ex- exist among the South Park kids, right? But and that's fine, but like and and I, and I would and I'd be able to deal with that again, but I'd almost rather play as like Kyle or Stan or something rather than just um you know, be a a no-name character. Of course, the game is super offensive. You know, um, there's like good, good God, like it goes pretty much everywhere. You know, like um, if you pick like a black character, it, it automatically puts the game on like the hardest difficulty. <laughs> it's just like super ridiculous, wow. like that. Yeah, they're not. They don't hold back anywhere in this. I thought it was funny because like you pick your difficulty level, and like that's associated with a darker skin tone. And when you like ramp it up or after you make your selection, I think the game calls out like just a heads up, like making it harder doesn't impact combat, but it uh, makes everything else harder. So I wonder if like combat is actually the same. I doubt it. But just like the concept that like, oh, races are, you know, quote unquote equal only when you're fighting someone like just what the game is trying to say with that is so sadly true and funny it's uh the difficulty level of the combat definitely increases with gotcha yeah um but like example and but but the game is politically agnostic i mean like um every time you you have you have like a conversation with mr Mackey like halfway through the like a third of the way through the game or whatever and he's asking you like 
he's like, oh, uh, he's trying to figure out like what gender you are, and so they're talking about like cis, like I, don't, I can't even do the fucking, I don't even know this, all, all the proper verbiage for it, but like cis male or cis female or all this, and it's like no matter what you pick. <laughs> my conversation as soon as you leave the school a bunch of like rednecks roll up on you and like try to kill you no matter it doesn't matter what you pick <laughs> and it's just like it's and they, they do the same thing for your religion and for your uh for like your social standing and for everything there's, there's always a reason for like a bunch of rednecks with like a confederate flag truck truck to like roll up and try to fight you um the south park guys just don't give a fuck like they nothing is sacred they don't care um and I don't know. To me, it's like in a, in a world that is so eaten up with politics, I'm, it's kind of refreshing to like play a game where like clearly no one gives a flying fuck. Like they just don't care what people. They probably get sued like a million times over a game like this and just don't care. Um, but that's kind of what South Park is. So it's um, man, you you just kind of have to put it aside and just not worry about it too much. And but man, it's fucking fucking a good game. I mean. But very, it's very long. It's probably twice as long as the Stick of Truth, I would say, the story at least. Um, but if you're a person who likes strategy RPGs, you know this is going to be way more up your alley than you know than you know most other games. So Stick of Truth was really good, or a Fractured Butthole was really good. And they actually say the title of the show um, in the uh, in the game. Probably, probably, probably my favorite. One of my favorite fights was like uh, towards the end, where all these woodland creatures end up like. What is this like? They need you. You summon Santa Claus to help you fight these woodland creatures, and the one of the woodland creatures says like he says he's gonna commit ritualistic suicide to give his teammates power, and then like he does that, and then they all end up like worshiping Satan. <laughs> And they all end up like it's all these like like devil worshiping like squirrels and crap. It's just so fucking bizarre. So it was really good. I, you don't you do you think you'll keep playing it, Mason? Uh probably at least for a little bit. I have gone on a tear of trying a ton of video games this week, and just none of them were sticking with me, which is why I was like, I will finally give. This one a shot. Like I tried Noida, I tried Ratchet and Clank, I tried Lupero, I tried Amori, I tried Child of Light. Like they were all like fine games, but they weren't just like what I wanted to play at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I I could see myself going back to South Park just because even though the gameplay isn't like oh I love that interactivity of it, it's been funny enough so far. I mean just. The loading screens that say like, "Hey, if you're having trouble dying in battle, you should probably get good at the game." Or like <laughs> yeah. the fights that get interrupted because you're children and you're playing in the street, and they're like, "Oh, cars coming!" So like everyone just stops and like moves to the side, and you wait for a car to drive through, and then they keep on fighting. Like moments like that are making it really enjoyable. So maybe, but I'm not completely sure yet. Even though I am enjoying it. Yeah. So it, uh, it, it's. I hope you find your game, Mason. You know. Thank you, thank you. I, I'm surprised Ratchet and Clank's not doing it for you though, because that game, those games always do it for me. Ratchet and Clank is timeless, but it's it was free. I don't know. It's just yeah, exactly. It's free, and I, I think actually PlayStation just released like six or seven pretty indie games for free. Oh, really? Like Subnautica and some pretty good stuff. So I might check those out. Okay. Well, the only other thing really is March Madness is here. I don't know if anybody really cares much. Have, have you been watching any of the games, Mason? I have not. I'm not a oh, basketball's boy. not my forte. Well, 
All right. Well, I don't Sorry. know. I'm talking to myself, womp, basically, womp. but <laughs> but uh, it's it's been a pretty competitive tournament so far. You know, we've had a couple top ranked teams already get knocked out. Um, we had a a 15 seed beat a two seed, which has only happened nine times in the history of the tournament. So the tournament's been going on for like 60 years or whatever. But so and so they've had over 200 of these like two versus 15 matchups, and it's only happened nine times ever, and it happened this year. So I guess you could say it has like a I don't know, probably less than a 5% chance of happening, but it did. It happened. So that, that was fucking crazy. Oral Roberts beat Ohio State, so Buckeye fans are, like, tearing at their hair and, you know, crying their whoa, eyes whoa, out. Whoa, 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 whoa. The Ohio State. Oh, well, the <laughs> Ohio State looks like a bunch of, you know, fucking bitches because they got beat by Oral Roberts. Um, More important than all the basketball shenanigans. No one cares about that. The listeners want to know, how is your bracket doing? How well have you been... Uh, picking them. Well, it's been a tough tournament. You know, I'm pretty sure no one's no one's gonna have a perfect bracket at this point. Um, probably in the world because honestly, it's almost impossible to have a perfect bracket anyway. And then with all the ridiculous upsets, like probably almost no one picked that Oral Roberts team to win. So there's 99.5 percent of the brackets right there gone <laughs> all at once. But um, I'm looking at the standings right here. I, I made a company pool with my. Uh, company and i got about 33 people in it which is kind of a weak number but you know people just it's amazing how hard it is to get people to pony up like 10 bucks to participate in something with a group of your coworkers. it's like fucking crazy but um i have two brackets in here and i've got a bracket um where i am in second place out of 33 um where i picked uh gonzaga to win the tournament against oklahoma state who's a four seed i put oklahoma state in the final because they basically like they were like the hottest team in the country going into the tournament. And uh, I think they have a pretty easy path to the final, the final four. So we'll have to see if they can, if they can pull that off. If they do, I'll have a really good shot of winning this. Uh, my other team is tied for seventh out of 33, but that one, that bracket's in a little bit of worse shape, but uh, so I'm doing okay. I need to have, I need to have a few, few, a few specific schools, like, you know, win, win a few more games and then I'm going to be looking good. But I've never won a March Madness pool, and the prize for this one's not that much. It's only like 300 bucks, but it's fun to have something to like obsess over for, for a week or two and have a have a semi-justifiable reason to just not give a flying fuck at work for like three or four work days <laughs> because it's just a fact that like when March Madness is on, people don't, people don't work. So you can look up the studies. Like every year, the company companies lose like over $3 billion of productivity in two days because... Literally nobody's watching. Nobody's doing anything except watching March Madness for like the for, for like the Thursday and Friday when the tournament starts. So it's just something fun to to uh, to fuck around with, get so. involved with. Yeah, there you go. It's a little bit like it's a little bit like fantasy football. It just doesn't last as long. Just something fun to do. That's about it, guys. Um, the Night Stalker's great. Fractured Butthole was great. You know, check out this these other documentaries. Last Blockbuster, Abstract, The Art of Design. Lots lots of documentaries today. But uh, been been pretty busy. Oh, and um, I, I I don't I don't know if I'll talk about this, but I bought the expansion packs for the um, Two Point Hospital, which I talked about like probably like roughly a year ago, because mm-hmm. like because that game was such a difficult platinum trophy to get. It was brutal. I mean, it was easily a hundred hours, if not more. And then like they released these two DLCs, and like they're and then but then you look at your percentage, and it goes. 
oh, you have the platinum trophy. Great job. But only 74% of the total trophies. And I'm like, oh, go fuck yourself. So I got these, I got these, uh, I got, I got <laughs> He's like, back on the grind of, uh, yeah. solving weird, uh, medical issues. Yeah. There's like aliens in my hospital now that like will dip out on paying their hospital bills and all this. And you have to like try to find them and get rid of them. It's, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. So two point hospitals back, you know, it's, it's a lot of it's it's a hospital simulator game, so it's but it's probably one of the best ones we've ever seen. So, all right, guys, we have a podcast to do. I can't wait to talk about riding Bean because it's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Um, we will see you guys next time on Hobby Addicts. Peace out. Thanks for hanging out. Toodaloo. <laughs> do do do.